1: back in the saddle again da, 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 da. <laughs> I guess I I the 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 career is the next Roy Rogers probably not going to happen and uh, you <laughs> you may be very grateful for that too good afternoon and welcome it's the Tuesday edition of lifeline in case you were wondering for uh, what is this the 28th of September already what't Tuesday of last week, like, uh, I I don't know, beginning of spring and, I don't know, (laughs) spring training for baseball and here we are, my goodness, almost heading into the World Series, aren't we? Amazing how time flies when you're having fun. And I hope that that idiom holds true throughout the course of the next couple of hours. Hey, we've got some great programming for you and some interesting topics to uh, to address, so we might as well just get to work, shall we? Let's begin with what appears to be an ongoing battle. I just read the story out of New York where a healthcare system there is about to let the pink slip drop on about 175 employees who have chosen not to take the COVID-19 vaccination. Now, there's a lot of opinions on the topic. I don't want to really get into the minutiae of what the science says versus political versus personal opinions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but to say that at some point, I guess we've really got to weigh all of the issues that are at stake here. Yes, the greater good in terms of community health is an important issue, but also making sure that in the process we are protecting fundamental civic rights, constitutional rights. And that kind of seems to be taking a little bit of a back seat to this broader topic, um, to be sure not across the board, but in some key areas, uh, most notably perhaps what you've Uh, what I referred to a moment ago, in New York City, and now on our own coast here in Los Angeles. Um, There is apparently an issue related to a citywide mandate for all employees, and that's where things seem to be falling apart, that many of the prerequisite exemptions Uh, related to in specific religious accommodations appear to be sorely lacking. Let's get an update from Brad Dacus, constitutional lawyer, founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute. And I understand that the city of Los Angeles counselor had mandated that uh, both full and part-time employees uh, needed to be fully vaccinated. And the deadline was set for September the 7th, But there seems to be – how should we put this politely? Things seem to be falling apart on the religious accommodation side of this equation. Tell us a bit about what's going on. Yeah, well, first off,
2: they only gave three days notice, three days for people to file for religious exemption. Um, And guess what? Two of those three days were the weekend. (laughs) Ha, ha.
1: That, that so, wasn't by accident now was it?
2: <laughs> no, no it sure wasn't. They you know, released I mean, you know whatever late Friday or Saturday morning and so anyway, so a lot of people a lot of law enforcement officers in particular were taken off guard and they didn't get their religious exemption uh, request in in, in time. Uh, and so the majority of them were just automatically disqualified and the others um, had still yet to be to be approved. And they're also saying that if you've already had COVID and you have a much, much stronger immunity than, than the vaccine will ever give you, uh, and that's not me just talking, that's, that's fact. Um, much, much stronger. They say, well, you know, we don't care, we still are going to require you to have a, a vaccine, even if you, it, it's not necessary, even if it may weaken your, your immune system, and even if it may cause more serious side effects and ramifications than the average person getting a vaccine, we're still going to require you to have it, and if you don't, you lose your job, um, and so um, we we see no real effort by the city to try to reasonably accommodate. And we've got a lot of employees, and in particular, a lot of police officers uh, who are about to be fired from a an already uh, very tenuous, you know, uh, occupation that's uh, you know is, is uh, not not appreciated uh, like it should be.
1: You know, I, I would imagine there's problems here at, at multiple layers, but I want to go back to what you said, Counselor, at the beginning, and that is uh, the providing only a three-day window, two of which were over the weekend, to even be able to provide a religious exemption request. Uh, you know, it that almost seems to be intentionally designed to either be in a hurry without any care or concern as to the impact on on individuals' constitutional rights are almost intentionally created that way, recognizing the kind of bottleneck that it would create, and that some might just feel as if they're they're being coerced and don't want to do battle. So, okay, go ahead and jab me. Is, is, is there? Do you think some validity to that notion?
2: Oh, totally. That's it's no coincidence. Uh, and as far as the you know the notice, uh, you know, it's just we're talking insufficient notice for a person to file a something that is of, of legal significance on their own. A lot of people, people are just saying, gosh, I don't know what to do. What's a religion? How do we do a religious exemption? Is there a certain form, a certain format? Do I need to get notarized? They just thrust this on them. And, of course, we at Pacific Justice Institute are helping thousands and thousands through our website we to out clearly exactly what they need to do, whether it's an employee or an employer uh, or a student or even someone in the military. Um, we even have it on there now for people who've been denied. What, what, what now? What do they do now? They've been denied. Uh, we have that also on our website. But um, these officers, most of them, were not aware of, of where to go, and so it's very understandable uh, that you know they weren't able to get this thing finished in, in time. And and then even those that filed, Craig, once again, they're not being approved. It's just it's sort of standing out, you know, out there in limbo, uh, which is I think another intimidation tactic creating greater anxiety and stress and pressure
1: for them to get the jab well moreover on something like this wouldn't you want to if you're going to really do this right given the fact that the vaccine has been available publicly for my goodness probably going on almost eight months now that at least there would be an attempt to say that we need to at minimum provide i don't know 30 days some some sort of a a reasonable period of time that would allow an individual beyond their own Um, you know, conclusions to perhaps consult with their physician, their rabbi, their priest, their minister, um, in in order to kind of come to a a final um, disposition as to how they wish to respond to all of this. And as we say, three days, with two of it being over the weekend, seems to be an intentional barrier being placed before these employees, and then we move far beyond questions related to community health, et cetera, et cetera, and and head right into whether or not this is this is outright, you know, forceful uh, coercion into um, violating one's own religious beliefs uh, with no real opportunity for you know uh, hearing or redress, and uh, that's got to trigger a potential major First Amendment disaster for the city of los angeles
2: uh you are correct and we we at pacific justice institute uh, have uh, taken an action we filed a a major lawsuit on behalf of uh, police officers in particular we filed it against the uh the 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 mayor of la uh grossetti also against uh, the city of la and the la uh, police department lapd uh it's a major lawsuit and uh we're uh, hopeful to uh, to prevail, not just for these uh, employees, but other employees across the country are being uh, pressured and uh, to do something that for which they have issues of, of conscience uh, as well as uh, issues of, of medical concern. Now, What's I don't want to drive
1: concern? too deep into employment law uh, and and confuse this or, or, or muddle the facts, but but I'm curious, from your perspective and understanding, counselor, uh, you know there are scenarios where. Vaccines are, in a sense, compulsory. Um, for example, sending your child to a, a public school. There are vaccines right. that are required. And if you right. opt not to have the vaccine, the school can say, okay, your child can't attend here, but you have the option of sending them to, uh, you know, private school, homeschool, whatever the other options might be. Uh, this is a little awkward in that I would imagine if you were going into an employment scenario, it might be easier from a constitutional standpoint, for a potential employer to say a condition of employment is going to be proof that you've been vaccinated because you have X contact with public versus what seems to be a a, a compulsion to comply after the fact and now not making gaining your job uh, contingent upon receiving the vaccine, but rather keeping your job contingent upon the vaccine is, is there anything to your knowledge in employment law that this would be that this would not otherwise be extremely precedent setting uh, yeah it, the point of law is real clear on this under title seven
2: employers have to reasonably accommodate employees and people that they're hiring when it comes to sincerely held religious beliefs so if someone has a religious conviction that they are not to take the jab they feel called by the holy spirit you know this is their body you know um, then they have to be reasonably accommodated. Employers have to make an effort to accommodate it, where it's wearing a mask, being tested every week with a saliva test. There has to be a reasonable accommodation. And as far as students go, just some good news here. Um, while it's true, many vaccines are compulsory, uh, the COVID vaccine uh, is not is allowed for a religious exemption. So parents do not ever have to have their child jabbed if their child is in a public school in California with regard the COVID vaccine because there is an allotment for religious exemption, they just need to file. We have that information on our website as well, along for college students as well.
1: And that's the case in California? Now, I I have to confess, I find that a bit surprising given the history of the state.
2: (laughs) I know, I know. Um, But it it is statutory in California. Uh, Any new added-on vaccines after, I think it was 2018, had to afford, any added-on had to afford for religious exemption from the family. So and we have that information all there available for parents to take advantage of that in all school districts in California. And um, so it's, it's, it's good. And even employers, business owners are saying, like, gosh, what do I do? So should I require it? And if so, you know, what if I want to give exemptions? Can I? How? We talk all about that on our website, and it's all laid out really clear. And if people have been denied, we lay that out really clearly as well, what they need to do next. So uh, we're, we're helping. We have several class action lawsuits, Craig, in several states already we filed. And um, we're doing everything we can to protect religious freedoms so parents, and people can decide for themselves based on their situation and their convictions what's right and best for them.
1: Information, more details available on the Pacific Justice Institute website at pji.org. That's pji.org. Our thanks to Brad Dacus, founder, president, constitutional lawyer from the Pacific Justice Institute. All right, 517, let's get you a look at traffic.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: It is a debate that has raged for decades, the issue of corporate taxation. And while largely the notion of either increasing or decreasing the corporate tax rate might either be good for politics and bad for policy or vice versa, largely dependent upon um, (laughs) your own political persuasion and uh, beliefs or misbeliefs. At the end of the day, there is more than sufficient empirical, historical, and current evidence to suggest that corporations really don't pay taxes. That burden gets shifted, and the higher the corporate tax rate, the deeper the shift And what makes all of this problematic and why we're discussing it today is the stark reality that that capital at the end of the day, particularly for large corporations, you know, a a small mom-and-pop corporation may not have many options to it. But the big employers, the big producers, the big companies, the uh, multinational corporations um, have learned that the the fundamental fact that capital is sensitive to tax rates – is born out of the fact that because capital is highly mobile, they can just simply say, hey, we're in an area of the world that's very high in taxes. We're going to shift that revenue to places where we operate that have significantly lower taxes and not only reduce the burden, but also shift the benefit of that tax rate maybe to... uh, country that's nothing more than sort of an, an office-holding tank-type issue. And the notion that somehow corporations pay taxes, and therefore, if we have a budget shortfall, let's make those big, evil corporations pay higher taxes, is, quite frankly, a very uh, dangerous um, dangerous field in which to cross. And so we're going to spend some time today looking at this broader question, as we know, back in... Uh, Fall of 2017, I think it became in effect in 2018, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act lowered the corporate tax rate in the United States by a pretty significant amount, from 35 to 21%. Now there's discussion, as the current administration is trying to deal with trillion-dollar budgets and uh, a um, federal deficit that's completely out of control, though they hardly seem to find a Democrat or Republican that cares... Uh, there's now once again discussion about increasing corporate taxes. Let's get all the money out of those evil corporations. Not recognizing at the end of the day, you know who pays corporate taxes? I'm going to give you one hit. It's not the corporations. Let's find out who and why. Bob Zadek joins us now. He is a nationally syndicated talk show host, best-selling author. Bob hosts one of the longest-running, in fact, the longest-running libertarian talk show in the nation. He is passionate about everything from American history to entrepreneurialism and certainly one of the the most knowledgeable people on the United States Constitution I know. Bob Zadek, always great to have you with us.
3: Thank you so much for having me back, Craig. Uh, in your introduction, you use the phrase, uh, you did it somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but you use the phrase, nevertheless, evil corporations. Um, and often, one hears the phrase, greedy corporations, selfish corporations. I find I cannot control having my face break into a big smile, wondering how an artificial entity can feel emotions like greed uh, and um, and evil in your turn how they can feel that way and if they can I wonder Craig can a corporation be depressed? Can a corporation have anxiety? And if so, I can't wait till the uh, psychological professional associations have a new uh, disease which they will treat under Medicare, and they will treat depressed corporations and suicidal corporations. I make my point, I think. Corporations cannot be greedy. It's impossible. That's like... A screwdriver being greedy, it's impossible. Uh, so let's get the vernacular straight. Corporations are not greedy, and corporations are not selfish, and they cannot be evil. Now let's roll up our sleeves and deal with the topic du jour, which is taxing corporations. Of course, taxing corporations, as you said in your opening introduction, um, is an oxymoron spoken by morons um, it's an oxymoron because corporations never pay taxes they merely collect them and the uh, explaining that point is really quite simple once you break the code a corporation is in business to make money making money means it Uh, It receives money from people and it pays out money to other people and it hopes that it has more money left over than when it started because that money gets paid to the ultimate important people, which are the shareholders who entrusted their capital to the corporation to begin with for that very purpose. So a corporation does not pay taxes. It collects revenue and it it pays out the profits and it may have to pay taxes to the government but it doesn't stop there when a corporation has to pay taxes, it's an expense and since it is determined to make a profit, it will make its profit to cover the taxes as well as the other expenses it has to pay it will make a profit or try to by paying its suppliers less paying its workers less paying its stockholders less in dividend uh, or charging more for its product whether it charges more for its product or pays its workers less ultimately the buck stops with humans either it is humans who get paid less or humans who pay more for the product which means car companies don't pay taxes people who buy cars pay taxes because uh, a portion of the purchase price of the car covers the tax payments theoretically that are allocated to the cost of every car. So corporations don't pay taxes. Now, why do we have a corporate income tax? Why do politicians, why was it invented if it's just another tax on people? The answer is quite obvious and I'm sure it's obvious to your listeners because they're savvy. Government has discovered That if they tax a corporation, they can hide behind the political cover of saying, hey, human voters, we are not going to tax you, the people who will reelect us. We are not going to tax you, we're going to tax corporations and the voters say well that's pretty cool i don't have to pay taxes i'm voting for this politician again little do that does the voter know that yes of course they are paying taxes but now the politicians have political cover because now the taxpayer who is not paying taxes is going to pay more for his car and more for his food and more for his clothing and more for everything and he's complaining about these greedy corporations who are charging too much well they're charging too much because they got to recover the taxes they're paying wake up voters every time taxes are raised on corporations that's political cover, taxes are raised on the individuals who work for the corporations or buy their product. Uh, we start our conversation there, Greg
1: and, and Bob. At the end of the day, this is really almost a, a economic shell game that is being played here. Not, because almost. Not a, 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 almost, yeah, because it is. it is. Because as you point out, you 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 have um, uh, authorities either at the state level or federal level that are suggesting, oh. Uh, Dear general taxpayer, dear U.S. citizen, we don't wish to put any more tax burden upon you. We're going to place the burden for the necessary funds that we need for the next, uh, you know, pork barrel du jour spending project in Washington, D.C. on the big corporations. Their shoulders can handle it. Look how much money they're making. Surely they won't miss this. Not recognizing the fact that the shell game simply means that they're going to quietly shift those tax dollars, the additional tax dollars that are being paid by the corporation, over back to the shoulders of individuals like you and me. It, it, I would liken it to bond measures, and I've often argued on this program down through the years. When you agree to a bond measure, you go to the ballot box, you vote because the city says we need more uh, police on the streets, we need to improve city parks, et cetera, et cetera. We need a new fire truck. But we're not going to charge you an increased tax. We're just going to pass a bond measure. Failing, of course, to acknowledge that the bond measure means the money that's being borrowed needs to be paid back. The lender expects to make some money in the process. And so the additional monies that are needed to pay the interest on the bond come out of where? Your tax dollars. At the end of the day, you wind up paying regardless. So when they tell you there's a free lunch, the first thing you must know is there's no free lunch. Bob Zadek is with us tonight. We're talking about this notion that's being floated by the current administration of re upping the ante in relationship to corporate taxes. As you know, in um, fall of 2017, the tax rate, corporate tax rate, was reduced from 35 to 21 percent. In large part, to allow the United States to become competitive once again, and some might argue for the first time in almost four decades, with other countries charging lower tax rates so that the money stays here and doesn't go over there. And while maybe that's worked for a while, the current administration is trying to turn that on its head. Just how dangerous is all of this? We'll continue that part of the dialogue with best-selling author and talk show host Bob Zadek. Information available on the web at bobzadek.com. That's B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K dot com. 533 from KFAX. Let's get you an update on traffic.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: We're back to our conversation with syndicated talk show host Bob Zadek. His program, by the way, airs locally here in the San Francisco Bay region every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. on our sister station 860 a.m. The Answer. And you can get more information about past guests, upcoming guests, podcasts, things of that sort by simply checking them out online at bobzadek.com. That's B O B Z A D E K. We're talking about the current proposal being considered and put forth by the administration to once again increase corporate taxes. And as Bob offered in a very accurate and somewhat humorous fashion before the break, (laughs) reality is corporations don't anymore pay taxes than they feel pain, get pimples, or find themselves in need of counseling because they're depressed In reality, when we talk about who pays corporate taxes, it falls under four general categories. The shareholders, the suppliers through reduced payments or uh, negotiated lower uh, uh, prices for the products that they require to produce whatever it is that they produce or supply. The workers through lower wages lower benefits, and, of course, the consumers, those who buy the product or service produced by said corporation. And of that list, it is frightening to find out just how much of that burden is actually paid for by, and I bet folks would guess the consumers, but in fact there is enough evidence to demonstrate that a big percentage of that burden is actually borne by the employees, the workers themselves. And, of course, Bob, I would imagine that, therefore, not only does the increased cost for taxes uh, become a a critical burden on the shoulders of the very people who produce the services or product that the company or the corporation, rather, uh, provides – but, but I would imagine, too, it must impact everything else. In other words, not only does it reduce how much people earn, but how many jobs are available, even the ability to engage in research and development to bring new products or services to the market. I would imagine all of that is negatively impacted by higher corporate taxes.
3: You're exactly right, Greg. And just to support and to give a, a little more factual support to what you just said, uh, the statistics are, and these are not, these statistics are generally accepted. They are not like hysterical statistics generated by some, off in the margins think tank. Statistically, the bottom 80% of households in America pay one absorb, not pay directly, but absorb uh, 25% of the corporate income tax. So raising the corporate income tax is raising the taxes on 80% of the households in America. Now, there are two other important considerations when discussing the subject of the corporate income tax, maybe three other. First of all, um, people, uh, many Americans love the concept, and certainly politicians do, of let's tax the risk. Tax the rich. Remember uh, that despicable AOC wearing her tax the rich dress um, when she went to the Met Gala. uh, A horrible offensive act. Uh, But remember, tax the risk is a slogan of the progressives. Now, if you tax, increase taxes on a corporation, who are you taxing? Well, are you taxing the CEO CEO? senior management do they take an immediate pay cut of course not do the senior executives take a pay cut of course not so if how are you taxing the rich those are the rich you think you're punishing but by taxing the corporation you're not taxing the rich people who are running the corporation so forget that so when we say you're taxing for example the shareholders. Now, some might think shareholders are rich capitalist types. No, probably most Americans are shareholders in that their economic self interest uh, is furthered by stocks going up because they have 401ks, whether they invest in stocks directly or indirectly through. Funds, they own stocks, which means their wealth will go up or down with the stock market. If they belong to a union and the union has pension funds and pro- and profit-sharing funds and the like, well, then the same thing applies. Uh, if you have your own 401k or IRA, you're affected. So whether you like it or not, you got skin in the game for a uh, successful and a growing capitalist economy you have no choice you can't avoid it so taxing if you want to tax the risk it, it, the one way not to do it is to tax the corporation but there are other considerations that cannot be overlooked first of all uh there, the complaint has been made that Amazon and this is always made with exclamation points after it that Amazon paid little or no taxes as if Amazon is some collective global crook, which is not paying its taxes. If Amazon doesn't owe taxes, it's because the tax law dictated a course of behavior which Amazon followed. It followed the law, and as a result of which, because it planned carefully, it doesn't pay taxes. What is it doing wrong? They're doing nothing wrong any more than a homeowner who pays less taxes because they deduct their mortgage payment they pay less taxes should they go to prison no they are deducting their home mortgage interest because they are allowed to and they make a decision whether to buy a house in part based upon the tax effect it shouldn't be that way but that's what they do well amazon does the same thing except on steroids it just follows the law and it doesn't pass the laws Congress does, it just follows it. So let's not make Amazon, Amazon a fall guy, because it, it intelligently does what everybody should do, which is try to honor the law and be intelligent in your decisions, so you pay as little taxes as is possible. That's sensible running of a corporation. Thirdly, thirdly, America is not an island. Uh, its businesses compete in the world. And if American business pays more in taxes, that means their cost of their products must go up in the world market. And if another country taxes less, then a corporation operating in that lower tax country is going to manufacture all of the things being equal. It's going to manufacture its product at a lower price which means our corporation in the u.s. can't compete which means it either has to move out of the country they go the jobs or pay its workers less they go the high salaries so what could you possibly accomplish by raising taxes except chasing out the jobs people complain about jobs going overseas they're going overseas because economics require it because you would expect a corporate manager to manage their corporation in the best way they know how and make decisions so that its owners will prosper if they don't do that they should be fired and one of the decisions they might make is lower tax costs assuming they can all other things again being equal if they can do the same business in a low tax country as they can in the U.S., then sayonara, U.S. They'll go overseas. And what have we accomplished? The point is, people in government have never worked. I don't consider what they do in Congress to be working. Um, they don't work. They don't manage anything to do with money, and they don't understand it. And they, lastly, the the, the concept that we favor in this country and we hear every day in the news is transparency transparency you have to disclose what's going on the reason government likes corporate taxes is they get to raise taxes without consumers knowing about it as i explained earlier which means they can hide behind the corporation my fantasy tax plan craig my fantasy tax plan is the only tax that a government can charge is a sales tax. That's the only way they can raise money. Why do I like that? Because every time you buy something, there's a line that says sales tax. And you realize every time you make a purchase how much the gosh darn government is costing you. And you wouldn't stand for it. If you're paying 19% of everything you buy to the government, you'll say, throw them all out. But consumers don't know how much they pay in taxes because it's buried in the cost of goods and services. It's buried in the cost of utility bills and gas bills when you buy gas at the pump. There's a tax number. I want one tax so that every consumer knows exactly how much they are paying for those guys in Sacramento, Albany, or Washington. And for sure, there will be a peaceful revolution at the ballot
1: box. Well, I think at the end of the day, too, that kind of transparency not only gives you a better understanding as to how much you're spending and exactly where it's going... uh, Percentage of of goods and services versus the actual tax. Where the current system allows much of that to be hidden at multiple layers, but also can motivate people to number one uh, avoid tax avoidance. That if the person that has a high net worth goes out and buys a Tesla versus somebody who says I'm going to go buy a used '68 Volkswagen Beetle. I don't know. Maybe that's worth money these days. <laughs> Bad example, but but in either case, you can choose how much money you spend on tax is based on the size or value of the purchases that you make, and I think the other issue here, too, is it's also a means by which can better encourage savings. If people have a better understanding of where it's going, you might have a better handle on trying to keep a bit of it for yourself. Bob Zadek is with us today. We're talking about a proposal to increase corporate taxes, and the what do we call it, the wet blanket that it would have on an economy that is already struggling to recuperate from COVID-19 and thus far not doing very well, quite frankly. We're going to take a timeout. Bob's show, by the way, can heard, be heard in the San Francisco Bay Area this coming Sunday morning and every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. You can check him out online at BobZadek.com. Let's take a timeout and get back to more as our conversation with Bob Zadek continues here on KFAX.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: I mentioned earlier the reality that often is ignored by lawmakers in Washington, that capital is sensitive to tax rates because capital is highly mobile. And for an international corporation that has the ability to just say, hey, if it doesn't work here, we're going to shift it overseas, they've got the power to be able to do that. And Bob Zadek, just before the break, you began to hint To this idea of the potential dangers of that, you know, historically, over the last 40 years, we've seen many of the quote-unquote competitors of the United States continuing to drop their corporate tax rates to the point now where Switzerland has one of the lowest corporate tax rates in the world at 15 percent, the United Kingdom only 19 percent. Europe is currently basically on a par with the US right now at 21%. We begin to see this thing creep back up again into the upper 20s low 30s. Aren't we just essentially telling corporations we don't want your business here, go do work somewhere else? Not essentially. Take
3: out the essentially. Of course we're doing that. And we are going to drop when when if Biden gets his way, we will drop uh about 10 ranking points uh, in the world index of cost of doing business, tax costs of doing business in a country. And we are dropping into the middle. So here we are, allegedly a free market economy, and politicians are looking upon corporations as nothing other than bottomless pit to support their spending to them corporations are one big sugar daddy which they will milk and milk without regard to the fact that there comes a point and we are just about there when the sugar daddy is going to pack it in or is going to be killed uh, and that's what the politicians are doing and on this subject I want to help our audience have a walk down memory lane. Do do, I know you and I, Craig, and our listeners can remember vividly how Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden were savaging the pharmaceutical industry for milking Americans, bleeding them dry with overpriced drug prices then what happened well the drug companies took all the money they earned and they spent it on developing a vaccine have you noticed the resounding silence nobody is savaging the drug companies anymore now what happened did the drug companies get nicer and you're not angry at them anymore, or did they do what private business does, which is deliver what the world needs at the price they're willing to pay for it? Does that, is that what corporations do? I kind of think so. And therefore, just like there is now not a hint of savaging the drug companies, other than Joe Biden wants to lower drug prices, which will come out of whose pocket? the drug companies, so they will no longer have the billions of dollars which they save and use for research and development and invent vaccines three years sooner than anybody expected, which is what they do with their profits, their evil profits. So now Biden wants to savage them indirectly by Lowering drug prices, which means having the government pay less for drugs. And did you ever think when you lower drug prices, well, what changes? Now, less money is going into the drug companies because their prices are lower, but their costs are the same. So how do they compensate? Answer, stop research and development or move overseas. So when you hear... Washington talking about lowering drug prices, I want you to erase those few words and replace them with force drug companies to stop spending money on research and development. And I ask any listener, is that what you really want? When you say yes, let's lower drug prices," the point is, Craig, understand the essential role that business capitalist businesses play in our lives. the role the important role, and we will stop using them simply as a as a honeypot
1: Bob, lots of good insights today. I hope people take this to heart because there is much to be said about really digging down into where the actual tax pain is taking place. And the the absolute irony is, even as we think, oh, it's just the fat cats, shareholders, employees, if you don't work for the company, you don't care. Multiple research papers have demonstrated that in reality, the bottom 80 percent, of U.S. taxpayers, U.S. citizens pay more than 25% of corporate taxes. That means much of that burden, as taxes are increased, gets shifted to exactly where, the bottom. And with no uh, pejorative uh, connotations intended, that's you and me. Bob Zadek dives into these topics and others in a very informative fashion. Great guests. Caliber of a program that You know, if uh, this was television, he would be on network television coast-to-coast. Check him out Sunday mornings at 8 a.m., The Bob Zadek Show, locally here on 860 AM, The Answer, and information and resources available on the web about Bob, his program, books, guests, and podcasts at BobZadek.com, B-O-B-Z-A-D-E-K.com. Mr. Zadek, as always, we appreciate the time, the Intelligent Conversation. And the critical insights. Six o'clock from KFAX.
3: This report.
0: Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.